Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630-CHAD. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you, 134 in Edmonton. Oilers and the Red Wings tonight. You already know that cars cost less than Wetaskiwin, but did you know that Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin, 10-time Presence Award winners for customer satisfaction. What does that mean? It means treating you fairly, fully transparent negotiations, and making sure advertised prices include all accessories, fees, and taxes. If those attributes are important to you, phone our friends, Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford, brentridge.com, and at 1-877-477-3673. We head off to our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, today. Uh, and it's actually going to tie into this day in Oilers history, though I don't think our next guest, uh, well, he definitely was, actually might have been living in Edmonton in 1984. The Oilers on this date back in 1984 uh, walked into Washington, where they've often struggled, got eight goals in the caps, and beat Pat Riggin 8-5 to extend their NHL record to 15 games unbeaten to start the season. Wayne Gretzky, two goals. Yari Curry had a hat-trick. That's the day in Oilers history for New West Travel with an upcoming trip to Seattle. Al May joins us right now. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. Good to hear your voice. Yes, good to hear yours. Thanks for joining us on relatively short notice uh, this week. Um, what a surprise. Wayne Gretzky had two goals. Yari Curry, a hat-trick. The Oilers walk into Washington and beat the Caps 8-5 to five going back 37 years ago today, 1984. Where were you playing during the 84-85 uh, season, do you recall? I was been playing in the Saskatchewan Junior League, uh, and I think it was the, that was the same season we won the league championship. So it was the eighty four eighty five season, and uh, it, I don't know if that team had ever done that before, as far as I know. So I think we're the first Bruins team to win the league, as far as it be, uh, being in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League at the time. So I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. I know in 85-86, you ended up in the new Westminster Bruins. And the reason why I know that is the 20-year-old that they had that got dumped because of you is my buddy Dan Baker, who runs Pub 1905 at Edmonton. So he's like, every time I hear Al Bay, I think when I got to let go. And Al came in and took over for me and, uh, as one of the 20s on New West team. And they had, you know, it's interesting uh, that Mark Reckie was on that team, uh, the late Todd Ewan who uh, was a hard-nosed guy. Garth Premack, who won a national championship at the U of A. And Jerry Johansson was another one of the guys. I mean, Todd Ewan could certainly look after himself. So, too, could Dean Ewan and Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. You guys had, who was, who had 200, over 200 minutes that season, you guys had some tough guys on that team, didn't you, Al? Yeah, we did. And you have Mike McWilliams, who played about a handful of games in the NHL for the Islanders. There was a kid, was it Duncan or Darwin McPherson? Uh, it was Dar- I think it was Darwin McPherson. Yeah, Duncan was the, the kid that passed away, the Islanders' first rounder. But, uh, it, you know, too bad it, it was mostly toughness. And, you know, I always joke around, our line had a couple thousand points, almost a couple thousand points in the NHL, had about you know, 2,000 penalty minutes, but most of that was Recky. And uh, so the, I had the penalty minutes. Recky had all the gold. Brent Hughes played for, you know, I think he might have played 150, 200 games in the NHL. He but could I played fight center too. With, I, yeah, he wasn't bad. And he, uh, Brent Hughes was the left winger. Rec was the right winger, and I was the center on that line. 
And, Come on. Uh, you know, one of the things, we didn't, we didn't get enough ice time on that team. Uh, you know, the Ber- Ernie McLean loved, no matter what type of penalty you took, it was a good penalty. So the more bad penalties you took, the more ice time you got to play. You know, because he, you know, he was a very prehistoric, one of the greatest people I've ever met in hockey, though. But once I figure that out, and I never like to take bad penalties, uh, you know, I usually like to go to the box with someone else and, you know, create havoc or do something to uh, turn the game around. But once I realized that, I started to have to take penalties and just be as reckless as we could. And uh, But the Rexter hardly got on the ice compared to, like, Dean and Todd Ewan. And those guys got so many bad penalties. And Todd was a really, really good player. Most people don't realize how well he could skate at the time. But unfortunately, he goes up to the NHL, and I think he knocks out Bob Probert in one of his very first fights. And they kind of put him in a, in a tough role the rest of his hockey yeah. career because I, I, I really thought he was going to be, like, a 20-goal scorer in the National Hockey League. You know, probably get himself 150, 200 penalty minutes a year. But I didn't think he'd ever be put in the role of just a sole enforcer and unfortunately he did he had a long career and I, I think you know eventually that got the best of him too well well i you know i'm a 66 and I, i've certainly told a story like st albert used to just destroy us they used to beat us when i played for the strathcona warriors like eight, you know eight or eight two seven one um and Todd Ewan was, I, he was their best. They had Viveros on defense. Uh, they had Ewan and Carnelli up front. And uh, they'd call up Hoggett once in a while, who was ridiculously good for his age. But Ewan was, he was their best forward by a mile. And I think that's what people sometimes don't get is, you know, like he had a 28-goal, 52-point season, 60 games. And 304 and 289 penalty minutes. And you mentioned at that point he didn't he wasn't heavy, you know what I mean when he went up to the NHL like he he was sort of a longer skinny guy and he just caught Proby right on the button and I've showed guys on the Oilers playing I'm like there was a guy I played against that knocked Probert Bob Probert the blank out and and then he had to fight him the rest of, every time he played him he had to fight him again because Proby was still Proby Proby held a grudge that's not the guy you want to have holding a grudge is it. No, absolutely not. And, uh, it, you know, the guy, he was relentless. So it was you know, one of those guys, and he, he wanted to be the king of the mountain. So he, he certainly made his reputation known, and he earned, he earned every inch of it. You talked about king of the mountain. Are we watching the king of the mountain in, sharp, in sharpshooters up front with the guy you get to watch on a nightly basis? Alexander Ovechkin passes Brett Hall last night. He's been absolutely amazing this season, and he is so dialed in. I had said it the last time I was on. He's more engaged in practice. And, you know, I think one of the pressures he's facing right now is he's got this – I don't know how old Sergey is. His son, his oldest son, is maybe two years old or so, but he's at every practice. And Dad's been setting a great example of paying attention to the coaching staff. His kid's hockey, hockey crazy. And probably – you know, he just, every time his dad touches the puck, the kid goes crazy. But Obi's been, you know, setting a great example for the little guy in practice right in front of the coach when he's on the dry erase board, hurrying over it when the whistle goes to see what the next drill is. And uh, taking very good care of himself, firing up every shift, uh, taking care of his teammates in every different capacity. And uh, it's been absolutely wonderful to see. I, I said on our opening show this season that I expected him to pass Yager this season, which meant he'd have to get 44 45 goals and I said I expect him that the number he has set in sight this year at the minimum is 50 and the way he's going right now he's going to be in that goal range because he's he may catch Gordie Howe this season at the pace he's on 
So it's I don't see him slowing down. The shot will never go away. Um, as long as those legs are healthy, he's able to fire the puck. But he's doing so many great things right now. The other night he had a great back check on a breakaway where he where he got the puck away from the from the the player that that was leading the charge and just get a great sweep check, jumped over the player, grabbed the puck, threw it in the corner as he was diving. So he's been doing a lot of great things this season. And he's one of the funniest shot blockers in the league. He's like a kid playing street hockey out in front of his parents' house with the kick saves. But, uh, yeah, he, he's just been going great this season. It's been so fun to watch. And, you know, I, I've been pretty lucky. I always say it. You know, I, I got to go up, grew up, season tickets, watching Wayne Gretzky, the Alberta Oilers, the Edmonton Oilers, then Gretz. And, uh, you know, getting to play in the NHL with Gretzky and Lemire against those guys and with for a short time, but it's been covering this guy for the last 13 seasons has been absolutely spectacular. We're joined by Al May, longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster. I'm going to ask you about a couple other guys. Connor McMichael, uh, a late first-round pick in 2019 out of the London Knights, involved with Team Canada at the World Juniors for a couple goes. Uh, looks like he's starting to gain a little bit of headway here. You know, one of the biggest things, he was really fighting the puck, and there's so much to learn. And, you know, it's the hardest position to learn. And, well, it's defense first, and then, but playing center ice, there's so much response, responsibility. And, you know, he, he's been there. He's been kind of caught in no man's land a lot watching and maybe not moving his legs sometime and some of the junior cheating. But the biggest thing that eats these young offensive players up uh, is that, you know, when they don't get points, you know, they still gauge everything on how many shots they got in the game or if they got points as to whether they're playing well. Well, they've done a good job of not, you know, hurrying him or rushing him. They've been platooning him a little bit with uh, Hendrick Slapier and, you know, seeing who can, you know, still in while Nicky Backstrom's out. And he's done some really good things uh, that, that, that have been – you know, praised by the coaching staff defensively, and he's been working hard in the face-off circle. But once he got his first goal, now we snap on the puck a lot better. And even the passing's improved, but it's just been a huge relief for him. So now I think he's got two goals and four assists so far, maybe off by a number, but it's two goals for sure. But he's moving his legs. He had an all-rookie line going last night, and they looked very well. And then once they had an injury to Dowd, to Nick Dowd last night, they just went with three lines. They, they gassed the other two rookie wingers and Brett Leeson and Axel Janssen uh, Fialbi. And it was McMichael playing every third shift, sometimes every second shift out there, and even let them take defensive zone starts, which a lot of coaches, they kind of baby their younger guys, and they don't give them those starts. So he's held his own in all areas of the ice right now. All right, you brought up Brett Leeson. His dad, for me, in the 25 years that I've probably watched, well, it's closer to, it's over 30 years now, that I watched uh, university football, was the best quarterback I ever saw. Had Brett Leeson, I don't know if the listeners know this, but uh, Brett Leeson's father, Daryl Leeson, actually was offered out of the Regina Rams a spot in the Edmonton Eskimos uh, practice roster. They were called the Eskimos back then, so that's not, that's the name of the team in the mid-90s. And he had an opportunity to stay on that roster. Ronnie Lancaster offered him a spot on the team at that time before he'd ever gone to play for the University of Calgary or later the University of Regina. He was playing senior football in Calgary. Brett Leeson's dad, Daryl Leeson, a six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounder that could uh, flat out spin it, and he could run. He was playing senior football until his late forties in Calgary and was dominant. So a late bloomer himself, Brett Leeson is a late bloomer how has he performed in washington since coming up well 
I think one of the things last year and the last couple of years with COVID and everything, I'm not sure he was prepared to play pro hockey and, you know, had done all the necessary things and realized, you know, had a pretty good junior team. Uh, they lost in the Memorial Cup, if I'm correct. And, you know, he was drafted in the first three rounds as a 19-year-old, which was kind of an odd move, I thought, by the Capitals at the time over Alexi Protus, who played there as well, who went in the third round, who was an 18, actual 18-year-old. And he first got here. I didn't think his skating would ever get up to where it needed to be. You know, a tall stick. He was about 6'4". I think he's 6'6 six, six now. And he, his skating was nowhere near. It didn't look like he was putting enough time in the weight room. But I think this last year, he really realized how important it is to, to, you know, combine the weight room and a skating coach. And a skating is drastically improved. You know, big, big guys have a lot, you know, it's a lot tougher to look like a player, I think, in the National Hockey League if, you're, if your skating's diminished. And he's got a skating. It, it, it's improved. It, it, marked improvement. Just absolutely phenomenal what he's been able to do. So putting that in there, he's got a good nose for the net. Uh, I think he's done a great job of working the puck on the boards, defensive zone and the offensive zone. He's getting his shots. He's got himself a couple goals already. And uh, he actually looks like he'll be able to play in the NHL full-time. Uh, if not now, I'd say, you know, the best thing, go and continue to play 25, 30 minutes a night in the American League and then get back up here and play full-time and never look back. But uh, he's, done, he's done a lot. So I, I always commend a player for making sure that they put their time in and do everything they can to improve their game. And right now it looks like he's done everything that he needs to do to continue getting better. Uh, our American political correspondent and Washington Capitals analyst, just kidding, Al. Al May joining us right now. Al, I, I, look, you played for the Oilers. You, you've repeatedly told our listeners you watch the Oilers all the time. Were you surprised at all in the comeback against the Rangers the other night and your thoughts on the McDavid uh, game-tying goal? No, I'm not surprised because I'm not sold on the Rangers right now. I know they have the Norris Trophy winning defenseman, but he's more of an offenseman to me right now. And they've got a young, young, you know, defensive core. But once the Oilers put the pedal to the metal, and it, it just seemed that McDavid was upset with something. I'm not sure what it was, but those guys just went to the next level. I didn't know he had that many more levels, but what he did the other night, he and Drysaddle, I thought Darnell Nurse. Uh, it was just, it was like they were playing with children in the third period. And they just kept going and going and got faster and faster. I just thought that, that was the most spectacular goal I've seen in quite a while. You know, And I'm sure he's going to continue scoring better goals than that. But <laughs> that was just absolutely fantastic. And I had to turn that game on, watched it late night. I was actually lying in bed watching the end of that game. I just could not believe the comeback. But it doesn't surprise me because they have so many good skaters on that team now. And that's, you know, I said that in the past. They had too many guys that resembled a fifth or a sixth defenseman in the lineup at the same time. Too many guys that look like 11th, 12th, 13th, and forward in the lineup at the same time. The skating's drastically improved on that team. The, the speed element, the, the guys that can, you know, move the puck, pass it in stride, shoot it in stride, keep possession. Uh, they're, they're so much better in every aspect of the game now. So it, that team is... In going definitely in the right direction, and it's not just two guys right now. I think they got a great roster, and uh, maybe they have a tweaker there. I think Duncan Keith's been spectacular for those guys. And watching that power play, I have not seen in this era 
of overcoached hockey, a power play that is so fluid and so free-flowing. It's almost like watching the Golden State Warriors in their heyday, uh, how well they pass the puck, move it around, and no one's in one set position. So there's no way a penalty-killing unit or a penalty-killing coach can figure out what they're doing right now. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to figure that out. And it's just going to have to be at some point, they're going to have to put their four best shot blockers out there and be diving all over the place and tell the goaltender, you take care of the top and that will take care of the bottom. Uh, because that puck is moving so fast, I don't think there's any way you can chase after any of the puck carriers. Hey, you want Freaky Friday for you? You mentioned Golden State. You know who's got the best record in the Western Conference in the uh, in the NHL? The Edmonton Oilers. Their record is nine and one. Do you know who's got the best record in the NBA right now in the Western Conference? The Golden State Warriors. They're nine and one. The Edmonton Oilers are three and zero away from home. Golden State is three and zero away from home, and Golden State is six and one at home, and the Oilers are six and one at home. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Man, are, are, the Golden State, are the Golden State Golden State Warriors playing the Detroit Pistons tonight? Uh, you know what? I didn't go that far ahead and look at it. So uh, <laughs> I can tell you this: they're not playing them in Detroit. <laughs> I know that for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Al, great stuff. Love having you on the show, my man. We'll, we'll touch base in a couple weeks. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take care. Talk to you then. You bet. That is Alan May. It's 151 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up Oilers now after this. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. A uh, quick text from our Ashley Five Floors text line. Hodgie says Bob Glenn Gullitson is a year older than Daryl Leeson and played football with him in Hudson's Bay, Saskatchewan. Crazy how much talent came out of a small forestry town in northern Saskatchewan. Trent Yanni is also from Hudson Bay. I've had this conversation with them both, uh, both Trent Yanni and with Glenn Gullitson about uh, Brett Leeson and Daryl Leeson. And uh, late bloomer to say the least, but uh, Daryl Leeson was on best again best canadian i'll be best canadian quarterback i ever saw could have asked to play in the cfl out of junior football that's how good he was uh, back in the day. All right. Uh, we will mention to you that the best pizza in the city is still making a great royal pizza. Pizza pasta and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 14 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stop for recommendation at Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean Chicken. Uh, Brendan Escott is no longer a fan of the Texans, the Houston Texans, but he still likes the Texan from Royal Pizza. We mentioned this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. Uh, we will tell you as we wrap up the show tonight that we'll have the pregame show for your face-off show at 4 o'clock Edmonton time, puck drop at 5.30. Tomorrow, guests will include the NHL Network's Brian Lawton, political affairs columnist and cult of hockey writer David Staples, and our NHL insider and chief Canadian political correspondent John Shannon. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen, followed by Rob Brickenridge from 2 to 3, and then 6.30 to the afternoons with Jaylen Nye. I'll rejoin you at 4.00. 
4 o'clock Edmonton time from Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Rock City. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.